And welcome to the Out of the Basement Podcast with Devram Turak, Patrick Gleason, and Patrick Ramsahoy. And now, here's the show. All right, welcome to episode six of the Out of the Basement Podcast. My name is Devram Turak. Today I'm joined with our normal co-host, Pat Ramsahoy. Hey. Our other friend, Patrick, is currently away from his house, but he'll be back soon. And he'll, he'll probably take part in at least uh, the, the later half of this podcast. And today we're joined by our good friend Dwayne, who we've been talking about for a while. Hi. We've been talking about having him on talk some, uh, some comic books. That's kind of his uh, area of uh, specialties. Well, one of them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like to think so. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything planned, much like the last episode, which was... You'll hear it a week from now, but it was technically recorded the day after the last podcast. Much as how we didn't have any structured discussion for that podcast, we don't have anything structured for today. I don't have anything new. Pat, do you have any, any, anything to talk about? Anything that's new coming up? Not really. Do you want to talk about anything that you've done in the last couple of weeks since we last saw you? Because you weren't here for the last podcast. Uh, well, I haven't done anything, at least relative to, to the podcast. Okay. So no, no geek-related stuff at all? Not really. Ah, what a sad existence. <laughs> uh, life just keeps getting away. Getting away with you know, the yeah. pursuit of proper geekiness. You know? And I know, Dwayne, you've been out of town for a while, visiting your family back east. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm guessing you haven't had much of a chance to do anything geek-related. No, not really. Um, just, you know, managed, managed to relax. Uh, been uh, able, remarkably, to do some uh, online role-playing wow. games, which is nice. Uh, I've been involved for the past uh, few years uh, with uh, playing White Wolf's Exalted uh, online and chat-based games and actually managed to uh, complete a full storyline, <laughs> which uh, is amazing because it's just a little difficult to be consistently online right. for a few hours at a time at a, design, at a designated time. But for whatever reason, Monday nights worked out for me. So, hey, hey. <laughs> but, okay. but yeah, that's that's been most of it. Uh, you know, usually manage to pick up my comics about every three, four weeks or right. so and then have a nice run through on those and uh, that's about it. I wish I could say I'd gotten out to see some of the geekier movies that have been out lately, but uh, just have not had the time. Right. Well, I, I do have one thing to talk about. Um, today, Sunday, actually this whole weekend, there was a thing going on on the Gatineau side called the Game Summit, which is a bunch of a bunch of people got that got together to... It's about tabletop games, it's, it's, it? it's Yeah, it's, it's mainly tabletop-based games. Yeah, I was I, I was hearing about that on the radio actually, and really? I, I was thinking, yeah, um, the organizer, one of the organizers, was being interviewed. Uh, I think it was on CBC okay. radio. I happened to channel surf by it, and I stopped and listened for a little bit. It sounded like an interesting notion. Right. the The only reason I found out about it at all, so this is a, a, fa a flaw in their uh, marketing scheme or in their advertising plan. The only reason I found out about it was because our number one podcast fan, Tara was planning on going and didn't have anyone to go with. And so she was asking around if, if anyone's interested. And so she and I went and checked it out uh, this morning. It was, um, it was interesting. They had, a, they had two different kind of vendor areas. Uh, one had very much like game related. So it was a bunch of, I guess, game stores in the area or online game stores who had their physically based in or around the area. I'd come together and set up little booths, so there was a bunch of games and stuff that were being sold. And then they had another vendor area that was more kind of clothing, jewelry, cyberpunk, paraphernalia, um, weird leather masks and stuff. And so <laughs> there, there was a really, really strange mixture of, of kind of genres mixing together in one vendor area. It was, it was kind of cool. And then we got a chance to look at the actual play area where they had maybe 30 or 40 tables set up to play. Uh, there were people there who were demoing, say, brand new games that, that they were bringing into existence. And they had like a little library section where you could check out one of like 800 different tabletop 
like say board games, that sort of games well, that I, they had. I, I understand that like the people organizing it actually run like a, a game store where you can. Y- yeah, one of, one of the sponsors. Um, I I actually did know the name of the store because I was talking to one of the guys who works there. Um, yeah, so so there's there's a game store in Gatineau, which was one of the the main sponsors for the event that took place. Um, and the, the the coolest part actually was in the back of the the game area, they had maybe twenty tables set up for people to play Warhammer, which I was not expecting. I wasn't expecting there to be any Warhammer contingent, but it was there. So you didn't bring your army. I, I actually didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't go and intend on playing. I just this year we we only went to look because we you know, we only had a couple hours. Um, she, I think she was supposed to go yesterday, and her plans fell through. And then the only day I had free was today, and I only had like maybe a two or three hour window. So I didn't want to get sit down at a table and start playing a game, and then run out of time and have to leave. Now, out of curiosity, one of the things they were mentioning on that radio interview, mm-hmm. uh, they said they were going to have kind of like a garage sale section where yeah, people that was... could come and could bring like tech stuff or games they wanted yep. to sell or anything like that. So it was there. Was there much? Do, do people bring much? They had maybe ten or twelve like round, giant round tables stuffed with stuff, like overflowing. Wow. Um, there was a, a section that had you know role playing. There was a section that was just board games. There was a section that was um, like old style video games for consoles that are gathering dust in most people's closets. There's a Atari kind of stuff or awesome. or original Nintendo, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, there was a bunch of stuff there. I picked up um, a copy of the Advanced Tactical Play for the New Catalysts BattleTech. Okay. A, a normally hardcover book, giant hardcover book, normally fifty dollars ish for like twenty five bucks. That was that was pretty cool. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, speaking of older video games and stuff like that, uh, I ended up at uh, the Science and Technology Museum mm. yesterday. Uh, <coughs> My cousin was in town um, with a uh, whole group of people. Uh, he's he's a, a youth leader in his church. Okay. And there's, believe it or not, to coincide with Winterlude, um, in Ottawa there's this annual event called Worship Lude. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And my cousin comes up, and they they go around to the different museums and stuff mm. and they're going to the mint afterwards and skating on the canal and doing you know all the Touristy Ottawa stuff, stuff right and stuff and you know it's a nice opportunity to see him because that way i don't have to drive six hours to london fair enough so london like, ontario by the way not yeah, london, london england london, yeah, <laughs> london ontario definitely i think london London, England's a bit more than a six-hour drive from here. Drive, yes. Yeah. And flights, not, definitely. Uh, not, not to mention that the Atlantic Ocean is a royal pain. But <laughs> listen, you got to put on a boat, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> you drive but, to Halifax, uh, you get on a boat. But yeah, so uh, went went to the uh, Science and Technology Museum, and I was uh, wandering around after having lunch with my cousin mm-hmm. with uh, my little Munchkin, my uh, two and a half year old girl Madeline, and we were going through. They've got a thing on uh, connections, they call it. It's all about uh, communications and all this stuff. And part of it was older computer equipment. They actually had one of the old uh, hook-up-to-your-TV Pong machines back in the early 80s. Um, And it it was actually identical to one that uh, a good friend of mine had way back in the day, right. uh, you could switch it to between like table tennis, hockey, little things, and they've got it set up on Pong so that you can actually play it. They've mm-hmm. got an extremely ruggedized uh, controller for it? controller, like two circles, right. metal circles, heavy as anything. Like there's no <laughs> way, there's no way you're going to damage these things, and you can like just try back and forth and all, all this stuff. Uh, the other the other fun thing was that one of the uh, examples of early computers, for the early personal computer, they had a Commodore 64 okay. sitting there hooked up to a uh, Sony television on display, which uh, I got a real charge out of because the, 60, the 64 is my second computer. 
Okay. We actually got a Commodore VIC-20 first. Oh, the, I remember the VIC-20. I remember yeah. both of those. Yeah, uh, for those of you familiar with uh, megabytes and gigabytes, the... These were bytes. VIC-20. <laughs> it was five a 20K. kilobytes okay, yeah. of memory. Yeah. Well, it was called VIC-20 because it had 20K of internal memory. Exactly. Yeah. Five kilobytes was available for use, as I understand it. But yeah, so it was... Was uh, kind of amusing to uh, to get a look at that. And this, of course, was back in the day when you had tapes that you used to access programs, oh, yeah. not yeah. discs. Yeah, we started off with the tape drive. We moved on to the five and a quarter yep. floppy drive. Yeah. Yeah, I remember buying packs of like tapes, tapes yeah. for program. <laughs> I, I I actually came in just at the end of the tape period. I was more familiar with the the large and the small floppies but yeah i still i had friends who had a computer that we'd go play when i was like you know, five or six and it was on a vic 20 with a tape drive well one of the fun things um with the tape with the tape drive uh i used to uh just just a little background for the listeners i'm from rural nova scotia uh rural cape Breton island to be exact and not a lot of places to shop for video games right. back in the early 80s and stuff like that. <laughs> or today. <laughs> and, well, a little more today, yeah. actually. And besides, today, I mean, like, Amazon ships everywhere, so mm -hmm. who cares? But uh, the library would get in this magazine called Computes Gazette, mm -hmm. which would have programs that you could type, type in. in. I yeah. remember that. And, I remember uh, that. They also had uh, checksum programs so that you'd use those programs while you were typing to make sure that you got everything Correct. right you could double check with them right so there ended up a f few fun little uh, little programs over time you know because i was you know at, at that at that age i was thinking okay i spend a little time and i get a free video game mm -hmm. you know hey i'm all over that but uh one of the programs that i got out of computes gazette was uh you could put a cassette into the cassette tape, like and an, a normal audio cassette, and it would actually rip the audio to a sound file. The duration really? the duration was extremely limited. You couldn't actually get the full song. Okay. But you could actually rip the song into a sound file uh, on the computer. Okay. And you know this would be back around 1985. Right. Or so. So. Where most of you listeners weren't even born yet. <laughs> <laughs> ah, what can I say? I'm not, I'm not the oldest guy in the room, but <laughs> not even close. I'm a little, I'm a little older than Deb over here. So. Slightly, but but not, not, not much. much. Well, you're turning what forty this year, right? I'm turning forty this year. Yeah, I've got so a couple more years to yeah, go. That's that's one geeky thing from the past couple of weeks. Uh, right. We were talking about this just before we started the podcast. Uh, my wife, as a birthday present, has bought me a three-day pass to the Ottawa Comic-Con in May, so a couple of weeks past my birthday, mm -hmm. and we're trying to get as many of our group of friends as possible to go around. Uh, she's actually going to join me on the Saturday, which is, the, of course, the main day of the right. con. And then, so we're trying to get as many people out on the Saturday as possible. And of course, those who are following along with our podcast know that Will Wheaton will be attending this, this Comic-Con. And we're still actively trying to get him to come on the podcast and at least say hi, or but hopefully have like a, a proper interview. I, I was I was thinking actually because uh, I am a listener of the podcast, mm -hmm. and so I was I was aware of the whole Will, Will Wheaton thing. Um, just with the whole tabletop thing, uh, Wheaton of course um, does a uh, tabletop gaming. Uh, podcast of his own yep. um, for Geek and Sundry. Which we talked stuff. about actually so, in the episode my sister was here. Yeah, that was and that was a good one, actually. I really I really enjoyed that one. But uh, but yeah, it's just another thing, you know, to bring up with them. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, while you're you know, while you're in town, there's this you know group of guys who get together and play together board games. Game. Yeah. The con is actually shaping up really nicely. They're continuing to announce guests. Yeah. Uh, and that uh, Jillian Anderson was the latest announcement that I saw. Going to, yep. going to be there uh, in the Star Trek uh, continued again. Uh, Jonathan Frakes, yeah, is, uh, which is pretty coming. impressive. Yeah, that, that, that's a good get. 
Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, like. Uh, I mean, he's a serious director these days. Yeah, he does. He does a he does a lot in the directing sphere and stuff. Um, and uh, one of the ones that I'm really quite interested in, uh, Felicia Day, is coming. Get out. Yeah. Okay. Now, now I'm even more excited. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I find it appropriate because she and Wheaton are such good buddies. I, I was. Know, so. That's something that's been brought up in the uh, in in previous episodes yep. about how where one is, the other one also tends to happen to be. Like whether it's a, a movie where Felicia Day stars in or a TV show that Felicia Day's in, all of a sudden Will Wheaton's right there. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, well, they they must be quite good friends. Yeah, the two the two of them were a lot of fun on Eureka. I don't know if uh, either of you guys were Eureka fans. I don't think I've ever seen Eureka. Uh, it's worth, a TV show, worth, right? Yeah, we're seeing a couple seasons. It's now, it's now finished. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Um, it got it, uh, it finished up uh, last spring, mm-hmm. um, and I th- I'm not sure if the final season's out on DVD yet, but okay. it soon will be. Right. And that, and given you're such a fan of TV shows on DVD, true. So I I highly recommend it. At the very least, uh, you know, find the first season, check it out. Okay. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, the the high concept of Eureka is that uh, back in the uh, back in the 30s, early 40s, uh, Einstein helped found this town in the middle of nowhere America, mm-hmm. where the best and brightest scientific minds could gather and work um, on everything. Okay, so whatever project and, they wanted to work on. And so, um, so the company basically, it's a company town, and the company is essentially working for the Department of uh, Defense. Okay. And the thing is, is that what they've accomplished there doesn't really trickle out to the outside world all that much. So okay. you can get all the high science, uh, sci-fi concepts going on. Uh, the first episode actually involves like uh, wormhole technology and mm. stuff. Things go- And the thing is is that quite naturally things keep going massively wrong of because they're, be- they're really playing up uh, the mad scientist stereotype. Right. But it was a really, really funny show. Um, really, really enjoyed it. Good. And I was sorry to see it end. So, when we were talking about uh, Star Trek guests that are going to be there, got me wondering, what do you guys think is going to happen to that Star Wars, Star Trek controversy now that J.J. Abrams is directing the new Star Wars movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, the reality oh, is, man. is there that big a controversy? I mean, at the, at the uh, game summit today, the 501st was there, or the Ottawa contingent, and there was a, I guess there's a Klingon cosplay group as well. Mm-hmm. And the Klingons were out in force as well. There was something... Their version of triples, they call them cribbles. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. <clears throat> Terrible one. Um, and and the people who organized the whole event were trying to drum up some controversy between the two, some sort of battle between the two groups. But neither of the groups actually wanted anything to go ha- to happen. They're perfectly happy coexisting. So I think this is a media-induced uh, <laughs> issue. It's not an actual issue. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the funnier. One of the funnier takes on the uh, Star Trek versus Star Wars mm-hmm. thing that I saw just recently. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with a, uh, a web comic called uh, PVP. I don't think so. But uh, anyways, got, got a long running, and it's basically about a bunch of folks who run a gaming magazine. Although it's, it's over the past few years, it's turned into a gaming website. Okay. Um, mostly video game. But uh, but these one, are fictional people in a oh fictional yeah, setting. Yeah, fictional okay. setting, all okay. this stuff. One of the characters was out showing around uh, an ex-boyfriend and she makes uh, a comment about Star Trek. And the ex-boyfriend goes, oh yeah, I forgot how much you like Star Wars. And it cuts, cuts back to the office to uh, one of one of the other characters just like kind of doubled over and his wife's asking, what's wrong? Not sure. I was just gripped by a white hot rage. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but yeah, but, uh, no. Web comics, uh, 
been one of the more fun developments, I think, mm -hmm. as far as like. Sorry, I tend to I tend to segue <laughs> off in uh, weird weird directions and stuff. Okay, listen, Pat's a normal host on the show. Talk yeah. about segueing. You're fine. <laughs> Go ahead. But yeah, so but yeah, web comics have been a really interesting development uh, over the past few years, and it's of course looked at in a lot of ways to be the future of comic books. Yeah. Um, well, all, all the major comic labels have gone digital, right? Anything yeah. that's available in comic book format is now available as a digital download on the exact same day. Yeah. But the thing is, is that they're being a bit tentative right. with, with the digital thing. For one thing, uh, the pricing with the digital content uh, from the major publishers, mm -hmm. say your DC, your Marvel, your Dark Horse, right. um, for the current stuff, it's pretty much exactly the same as you go into the comic shop and buy the coffee. Right. Um, and it's understandable because they don't want to undercut the shops. They, right. At the time being, they still need the shops. Right. But it doesn't make a lot of sense. Why it would cost the same? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because there is, you know, a certain amount of cost associated with the actual printing and warehousing and shipping and mm -hmm. the cut for the distributor uh, and everything like that. And it may not be as much of the final price of the comic as you might think, right. but it's still some. Right. And so you'd expect it to be a bit lower. Right. So even but if it's only 20%, you would expect your comic in web format should be 20% less. Yeah. Uh, that's it's actually finally starting to happen a little bit with ebooks. Which right. is another area of interest of mine. But uh, not all publishers, but with some. Right. And all that. But uh, one of the more interesting things with web comics, which is getting back to that for a second, is that there are a number of folks out there who are doing web primarily web comics and they're up on sites for free. Yeah, absolutely. And they make their money by selling collections or selling memorabilia or... Or even through advertising. Yeah. Uh, oh, definitely partly through advertising. Like that. So a couple, some of the best ones out there right now, in my opinion, are uh, PVP. is really mm -hmm. quite good. It's been going for about 10 years now, uh, which is pretty impressive for any comic. Yeah, absolutely. comic. Yeah. Uh... Girl Genius is another one that's an awful lot of fun. Okay. Um, it's uh, by a husband and wife team, uh, Phil, Phil and Katya Folio. Um, Phil Folio is actually very well known to longtime fans of Magic the Gathering. Okay. Um, during a number of the earlier sets, he did a bunch of artwork for Magic the Gathering uh, that was uh, very well received but uh, was one of the artists that stopped working for Wizard of the Coast when mm -hmm. Wizard of the Coast stopped being as generous with the artists right. as they were formerly. You know, little things like demanding all rights to the artwork, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Apparently, uh, I was reading that uh, there's this small publisher in the States who's getting sued by both DC and Marvel because apparently those two companies trademarked the word superhero in all its formats and spellings. Yes, they did. Um, how, is, how is that possible? Oh, you can trademark just about anything. You cannot copyright superhero because okay. superhero is too generic. Right. But you can trademark it. And with a trademark, that just it means mostly that you cannot use it for any purposes that can be considered advertising. So the title of your book, for example, right. cannot include superhero, okay. especially if you're doing a comic book, right. because trademarks are largely concerned with uh, brand confusion, okay. which is one reason why uh, Marvel and DC joint, jointly um, acted to trademark it, because okay. uh, one reason why it was joint is because there was too much history between the two of them. They realized that there was no way that either one of them could get it 
separately because the right. other one had too much prior claim. Right. But as a joint thing, considering how much of the market they had, especially for superheroes, right. they were successful. So with a trademark on superhero, if that publisher was actually, you know, I, I don't know, I'll make something up. Like, say they were calling their book Rise of the Superheroes. Right. If that was the title of the book, then yeah, they'd be in they'd be infringing. Right. And yeah, I would, especially when you consider that DC is owned by Time Warner and Marvel is now owned by Disney. Disney. Yeah. Um, and you know, guess who is one of the you know biggest protector of trademarks on the entire planet? I would guess Disney. Disney. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, well, I've heard tales of Disney suing daycares for putting, you know, unauthorized depictions of their cartoon characters up on the walls. Okay. You know, so... <laughs> so, boo, so, down with Disney. <laughs> uh, look up there. You know, they're big business. Yeah. And they've also done stuff, like they were a major power behind uh, the extension of copyright back, Sorry. back in the 70s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, so that... They protect their stuff. Yeah. Copyright lasts forever. Well, might as well. Might as well. It lasts for almost 100 years. Wow. Wait, isn't there a 20-year time limit on cop? No, maybe, not, maybe it's not copyright. Right, no, right, right now, with copyright in Canada, right. it's life, life if, if it's held by an author as opposed mm -hmm. by a corporation, right. it's life of the author plus 50 years. Wow. Uh, in the States, it's life of the author plus 75. Okay. And... That's also the case in a number of other countries around the world. Hmm. I believe Britain might also be life plus 75. Okay. Um, with corporations, it gets a little murkier. I believe it's kind of a straight 90 years after publishing. Okay. Uh, so Maybe it's patents then that expire in 20 years. Yeah, patents, patents are only seven years, but they can be renewed. Really? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how that goes. But not indefinitely. No. Right. Not indefinitely. So it might be up around 20 years. Mm. You know, or maybe, you know, I'm just I'm just speculating. But if it's a seven-year term, maybe three terms of seven years. Right, twenty-one years. About right. Yeah, that does sound about right. Oh. Speaking but, about uh, patents, um, a friend had pointed out a uh, a YouTube link. This was a, a CTV spot about a drug called DCA. Okay. That apparently um, is a cure for cancer. Wow. Yeah, they've tested it out on mice, and uh, within a few weeks, it's something like 70% reduction in the tumors, or, oh my God. or even eliminating it. Now, okay. it's not all cancers, but right. specific kinds. But the problem is, DCA is a 40-year-old drug, uh, typically used for people with disabilities. Okay. Okay, so um, it's not patentable anymore. So okay. any company, any drug company that is wanting to invest the hundreds of millions of dollars into trials would basically be throwing that money away because once they prove that it works, anybody would be able to produce that drug. Okay. So nobody's wanting to do it. So the cure for cancer might actually be in our grasp and no one wants to spend the money because they wouldn't be able to, to keep the patents on it. Or make a profit off of it. Fucking corporations. Yeah. So it's going to have to be up to universities or the government to run the trials okay. if they choose to. Wow. Yeah. Well. So talk well, to your congressman, I guess. Or your MP. <laughs> or, well, yeah, if you're in Canada. Yeah. Well, I'm guessing most of our, now that I think about it, most of our listeners would be Canadian. I can only think of a couple that are in the States, but still. Yeah. Well, patents are, patents are a funny business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, one of the more amusing ones lately, I'm sure you heard about the whole thing about, uh, um, I believe it was the, the Viagra patent. I haven't heard anything about that. Um, Viagra is no longer under patent in Canada. Okay. The reason why is that um, a generic, one of the generic drug companies uh, successfully argued in court that uh, Pfizer had not been forthcoming enough in their patent application. Uh, basically, the they they were basically doing security through obscurity. Okay. In their patent application, they listed everything that went into Viagra, mm -hmm. but they did not clearly identify which compound was actually responsible for the beneficial effects of the drug. Okay. And I believe this went all the way to the Supreme Court. Um, if I'm wrong, you know, semi-flame letters, whatever. <laughs> but, 
What was what was ruled was that the patent system is a quid pro quo. Okay. You explain how your thing works for for the benefit of all. Okay. And in exchange, you get exclusive rights to exploit it for a certain amount of time. Right, until the patent runs out. So the court basically decided, okay, you are not clear enough as to how your miraculous new drug works. Okay. That's not the bargain. Right. If you weren't fully forthcoming on how, how this works, you know, you're not helping everyone, so you don't get the protection. Kiss your patent protection goodbye. Wow. Just like that. Okay. So now anyone can, can make their own version of Viagra. In Canada, yes. In Canada, okay. In Canada, yes. Just don't try to sneak it across the border. Oh, yeah. The, well, the Americans you, would love that. You, you wouldn't they, be able they, to sell they, it across they, the border. They, if they you have, purchased it in Canada and brought it across yeah. for your own use, you'd be fine. Hmm, okay. But, yeah, it's, it's actually a multi-million dollar industry. Yeah. Um, pharmacy tourism. Uh, the U.S. pharmacy industry absolutely hates it. Yeah. Uh, it's because, in general, we get generic drugs much, much faster than the Americans. And much cheaper. Yeah. So, that's... So come to Canada. Buy your drugs. <laughs> Fuck off back home. Yeah. <laughs> that should be one of their advertising campaigns. <laughs> come to Canada. Buy your drugs. Fuck off back home. <laughs> Uh, one thing I did want to say, again, going back to, because really the only thing I have to talk about that's new since the last podcast is this Gamer Summit that I went to. Mm-hmm. The incredible amount of female um, interaction and, um, and um, presence at the event. Oh, great. Glad to hear it. Everybody who was running any of the, uh, the volunteer booths, I want to say about 70-90% of them were, were female. So the entire registration area was run, run by the women. Uh, there were women in almost every booth that where where things were being sold, but they weren't there as booth babes. Like they weren't there purely for dressing. Yeah. They were there and very knowledgeable about what they were talking about. So the some of them were the artists that were selling off their own stuff. I wish I'd brought them. I I bought two prints of uh, of work that was done by um, one of the local artists, both Star Wars based because you know I'm a crazy Star Wars fan. One's like a Darth Vader uh, portrait. And one is like a sea of stormtroopers, all kind of in rank. It looks really neat. I'm going to have them um, framed and put them up on my wall because they're they're that quality. And um, but the, the, some of the artists were females uh, taking part in the event, so actually there as not not just spectators but as participants in the the little role playing or not role playing but the board games that were going on. Uh-huh. I'd say at least half of them of those were female as well. So there's a, a huge female gamer contingent, apparently, in the Ottawa Gatineau area. I don't think that should be all that surprising. I think women have been very involved in gaming for at least ten years. I haven't seen it. No, I haven't I seen it. I haven't seen it when I go into a game store. <laughs> I haven't seen it when we get together to play games. Like we don't have a single female. I, pretty much every time I, I go into a game store, there's women there. Really? I oh, seriously, I, I've never seen that. I do see it fairly often. Um, uh, the comic book shop I go to is uh, the comic book shop. The uh, comic book shop. Bank, the yeah, the Bank Street location. Right. And that. And of which they have three. Uh, is there three? Yeah, no, there's just the two. There's one on Maryville, and I think there's one at the end of Bank when it gets past. Um, uh, there was a there whatever was, that's called. Yeah. There was there was a shop down uh, getting. Uh, Closer to South Keys. South Keys. That yeah. wasn't a comic book. That wasn't one of the comic book shoppies. Okay. Um, that was just another one. A there. generic shop. Okay. Like the Comics Cave or something. Like oh, that. you're right. Maybe it's Comic Cave. Yeah, but uh, some free plugs out there for those of you who are in yeah. the area. But uh, when I'm in there, normally, you know, the, there's a few female customers around. Okay, but that's they also. Uh, the comic book shop is primarily a comic store. Like they have role playing games, they have mm. um, manga, they have um, uh, action figures, and so yeah. forth. It's but they're not a game store. Not True, pr- not it's... primarily, but it it is you know very geek activity centered. Fair enough. And but, they do have games. Yeah, mm. they're, but, they're very but, big. They're very they're very big into the card games. Right. 
Like I'm talking when I go in, like the the quintessential game store that I can think of in Ottawa is Fandom. Yeah. So when I walk into Fandom and there are four or five customers, and all of a sudden a female walks in, it's like a pin has dropped, and all of a sudden heads are swiveling. Well, like, I that's never said. I have every time I've been there, and uh, and a female walks in, it's like, oh my god, what's going on? Yeah. Wow. I find that anytime I go in there, there's a fifty-fifty chance of there being a woman. Now. She's not usually shopping by herself. Right. Um, but I've, yeah, I've seen women in there lots of times. Nice. And they are as interested as their boyfriends are. Okay. They're not just there as, uh, as a reluctant girlfriend in. that got dragged in. Yeah. 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 Cool. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't noticed that, but I'm glad I, that others have. I will, I will say that uh, <clears throat> uh, I attended the Ottawa Comic Con. Uh, last, last year, year yep. uh, the that was their one. was that their first? That was, yep, it was okay. the first one, um, and there did seem to be a fairly good, uh, you know, representation of both sexes right. there, which is you know good to see. Good to see. Um, well, I think we should introduce this into our gaming experience because we we very rarely have females that take part in our games. Oh, it's. It, it can be kind of difficult yeah. and everything. Um, you know, for for example, I'm happily married. My wife has no interest. None in at all. Whatsoever. You know? Our friend I, Chris, who's coming tonight, his first wife and his second wife, again, no interest in... Different Chris is coming tonight. <laughs> oh, that Chris isn't coming as well? Oh yeah, he, right. He hates football. Never mind. Yeah, I guess that does make sense. <laughs> but yeah, so his his first wife and his new wife, neither of them are like she's at least somewhat of a gamer, but no interest in in, in playing. Yeah, I, be, I believe she's more of a computer. Gamer. Computer, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have done some games not, with, um, with you know, just Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and you know, just really. In Really and truly, I don't have very many female friends Fair enough. anymore these days. You know, I'm friends with Jen's friends, right? But but they're know, lawyers not, and not quite the same not gamers, thing. right? And yeah, definitely not really any interest in gaming there and stuff. So. Mm. But we do have a girl who's coming to play in our Star Wars game next, not next week, but the week after. No, the, the one that she didn't move to the Sunday, which I could make, <laughs> maybe. So you won't be there? Is that no. what you're saying? No, I, I said explicitly the Saturday I'm definitely not available. Damn. <laughs> and then guys were saying, okay, so Saturday it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was feeling very left out. Okay. Oh, you're feeling left out. I haven't even heard about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might have a free spot, apparently. <laughs> well, there's only four characters, I think. There are four players and the GM. Well, who's who's the fourth character? Uh, Steve Ooh. is... Oh, oh, really? Okay, okay. This is the Star Wars game you were talking about on the previous podcast. Correct. The, the new one that was just put out by Fantasy Flight Games called Edge of the Empire. Yeah, no, that sounded kind of interesting. Going back to an earlier thing, you mentioned you were picking up some prints and stuff at this right. tabletop thing. I, I only have one uh, piece of uh, signed, signed artwork. Actually, I picked it up... Uh, guess it would have been not uh, last year, the year before. Okay. Uh, one, of, one of the artists who works uh, kind of in what you would call the big leagues of comics, uh, Marvel, DC, that mm -hmm. sort of thing, his name Dale Eaglesham. Okay. Uh, he lives out in Van Cleek Hill, actually, just, uh, that just means outside of Ottawa. That to me. Really? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, roughly... I don't know, 40 minutes out of town if you're heading okay. towards Montreal. Okay. And that, uh, yeah, he does a, a charity thing um, every year at the Van Cleek Hill Fair. And he was offering, uh, he was the artist uh, on Marvel's most recent revival of Alpha Flight. Okay. Which is my favorite comic of all time. Is that a bunch of kids? No, it's, it's, uh, Canadian superheroes. Right. One's uh, a Sasquatch. Yep. One is Sasquatch. Uh, everything like that. And as part of the charity thing, he was offering, uh, he did a limited edition print okay. of uh, the leader of the team, uh, a guy named Guardian, who was kind of the uh, Captain America equivalent. Right. 
he wears the flag. Okay. But, uh, He's, a, he's actually wearing it over uh, some power armor, so the similarities to Captain America, not so much. Right. Uh, yeah, so he's doing this limited, limited edition print, and he signed them all. And nice. Like that. So I went out to Van Cleek Hill and uh, got that and got to meet him and his wife and everything. Very nice people. Cool. A lot of fun. And got to see them again uh, last May at the uh, original Ottawa Comic Con. Okay. I haven't heard whether or not they're going to be at this one, but given how close Bankley Kill is, yeah, I'd be deeply sense. surprised if they didn't decide to uh, to get a booth. Yeah, that would be cool. With that. So that was uh, that was you know that's part of the fun thing about cons. I've only I've only been to two, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, to get a chance to meet folks whose work uh, you really enjoyed, mm -hmm. like the nice thing about getting to see Dale for the second time was uh, his Alpha Flight work hadn't come out. Yet, okay. When I got when I saw him in Bankley Kill, but when I saw him again, uh, it ended up being an eight issue limited series, uh, and all of it had come out and everything. So I brought along the first issue and I got him, I got him to sign the first issue. So right. I got the book signed, and that and uh, there was uh, another artist and I'm blanking on his name. Really, really annoying. But uh, he, Derek Robertson. Okay. That's, that's the name. <laughs> you had just uh, enough time to remember it? <laughs> yeah. Well, and also I mental block on names all the time. It's yeah. really frustrating. Yeah, I get that too. Uh, and he did some work for Marvel back in the early 90s. He was the original artist or one of the early artists on a book called New Warriors, mm -hmm. which I really enjoyed. And uh, he was quite well known for a... Uh, or a collaboration with Warren Ellis on a book called Transmetropolitan, which was this really screwed up uh, sci-fi book, but just really great stuff. Um, what it was described kind of uh, as Hunter S. Thompson meets like somewhat dystopian future. Okay. <laughs> All this bit, uh, and for, I never got all into the book, but a good buddy of mine had me read the first few issues of it, mm -hmm. and so I picked up the first little trade. It was just three issues long, it was the initial storyline. Okay. But just great stuff. And, you know, I got, got to meet him and said, hey, you know, like, really enjoy your work. Right. I'll love it. And uh, the Ottawa Comic Con especially was, uh, it was low-key. Which is really quite nice. Yeah, but that, that's, that usually happens when it's like the first couple yeah. of years of, a, of an yeah. event. Well, the Toronto Comic Con is getting much bigger and stuff. And right. I understand they, that uh, last year they had some trouble with lineups and everything like that. Right. Uh, they were really cl close to capacity and, and everything like that. Um, I got to go back in 2006. Mm -hmm. My wife was uh, working in Toronto, and I was down visiting her the same weekend, and I was able to just, like, go up, buy a ticket, walk right in. Really? Without any pre-registration or anything? No. Interesting. And uh, got to meet uh, a few interesting uh, people at that one. Uh, the highlights uh, on the geek side, the highlight would have been I got to chat for about 10 minutes with J. Michael Straczynski. Nice. The guy who created Babylon 5. Oh, yeah. So, uh... And did a bunch of the work for, um, a lot of the Ultimate series that Marvel put out. Um, Ultimate Spider-Man, I think he, he was involved in. Oh, I haven't... No, I, I, I remember seeing, uh, his name on a bunch of Marvel stuff that I've oh, he did picked a up in he the did, past. He definitely did a bunch of Marvel stuff and everything, but I don't believe he was ever involved with the Ultimate line. Was it not? No. But um, he was up there actually for comic book stuff right. from from Marvel. Uh, he did some work with uh, a lady named Fiona Avery, who is Canadian. Okay. Uh, she was I've, I've heard described as a protege, and they collaborated uh, at the time. The, the most recent thing he'd done for Marvel, uh, he collaborated with her on a uh, on a Doctor Strange. Uh, limited series that it kind of hey, like, reimagined 
And we say hello to a different Chris from the one who was on the last podcast as he joins us for uh, the Super Bowl that's about to happen. Greetings, Chris. We're just in the middle of recording our Out of the Basement podcast. Really? And I was there. You're more than welcome to come join us and sit down and... and, and, and Chat about anything. Whatever you like. Oh yeah. dear, it's one of those, is it? Yeah, well, we're not, we're not doing... Stream of consciousness night tonight. Yeah, we're, we're not doing anything structured the way we normally do, because we don't really have anything new to talk about, since we recorded our last podcast yesterday. <laughs> so this this is mainly just, you know, talk about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, so yeah um, on, the, on the Canadiana side of things, um, what, one of the odd things about, the, about that Comic-Con back in 2006... Well, there's there's a lot of convergence in entertainment these days. Right. And one of the things about the, one of the complaints in certain circles about the big the biggest Comic Con in the world, San Diego, right, is that it's all about Hollywood. Yeah. These days, it's all about the TV shows, yep. and the movies, and everything like that. Which is why a lot of people are leaving the San Diego Comic Con and going to the smaller Comic Cons that are kind of popping up around California. Yeah. So. Uh, they were doing uh, a comic book tie-in for, of all things, Degrassi, the Next Generation. Okay. And they had, a, um, along, along with the uh, writer uh, of one of these graphic novels, uh, Jay Torres, I believe was the name, uh, they had a few of the actors and... Uh, the executive producer was there, but uh, one of the, one of the fun things for me, since you know I'm a Canadian of a certain age, mm-hmm. one of the actors uh, was Stefan Brogren, um, who has been playing uh, Snake Simpson for like now since he's gone back to it for the past ten years or so, and was also part of the original Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi right. High stuff and everything like that. So it was interesting to get a chance to meet him, right? Because that was a big thing when I was growing up, and everything like that. And uh, certainly rather different. But yeah, so just that was—I was really surprised that that at the time, just how not busy it was. Okay. But you know, I. You know, got to meet those Degrassi actors, and there was almost no lineup. And you got you got to understand, like, 2006 was when that show was actually about four or five years in, I think, and okay. it was actually gotten reasonably popular with its targeted fan base and everything. Right. But either word didn't spread or whatever, but you know, there was just no one around, so. I actually went back and I had a chance to talk with uh, Mr. Bourbon for like you know another 10, 15 minutes just chatting about various stuff. Just because there weren't people there. Right. Well, I'm pretty sure that that's not going to happen this year at our Comic-Con. Even though it's the second year, there's a lot of uh, uh, buzz about it around the town. Well, it was was pretty busy um, last year. Right. I, I don't know. Did either of you guys get a chance to go live? I was out of town the, the week that it was happening. Yeah. Pat, did you? Yeah. Well, weren't they supposed to have uh, both uh, Shatner and uh, well, Patrick Stewart? No, what happened there was uh, they originally, like, the big guest that they booked was Patrick Stewart. Right. But uh, he had to cancel due to some sort of conflict. Okay. And when they announced the cancellation, they announced, well, to replace him, we got William Shatner. <laughs> And so... I don't know, that would know, make me more happy, not less happy. Well, I mean, like, both have their fans, but sure. I think we would have to admit that Shatner is, in a lot of ways, the bigger get. Sure. Because... Like, Patrick Stewart is an amazing actor in his own right, absolutely. not just the work that he's done in absolutely. Next Generation. But Shatner's profile... You know, even though Stewart was in like the three X Men films sure. and stuff like that, Shatner's profile has been higher because he was on uh, Boston Legal for so long, and he got Emmys for it and stuff right. like that. A little, you know, just a, a little more recently than that. And plus, um, those of us of a certain age have fond memories of that original 
serious. Well, <laughs> I remember uh, growing up, uh, CBC would air repeats of Star Trek. Oh, I remember on every chance I would get, I would and, watch them. Uh, I remember having seen it, and then they didn't have it on for a while, <laughs> and they brought it back. I was watching it. I was listening to you know the famous opening narration, you know, the five-year mission. Right. And I was a little kid at the time, and I remember thinking, "Oh, great! This is going to be on for five years." <laughs> no. I mean, it was yeah. it was barely but, on for what three? three. Years. It was three. It's on for three. Yeah. Three seasons. Yeah. Yeah, three seasons. But you know, <laughs> I, I was a little kid at the time. I think I was like nine. Right. What do I know? Right. And, and to you, five years is more than uh, is more than half your life. Yeah. It's like that's awesome. But yeah, but they had they had a bunch of good guests uh, and the lineup. You know, there there was definitely a lot of interest, a lot of people there to see them. I got um, I got in the line to uh, get an autograph from Brent Spiner. Okay. From Next Gen. Sure. Um, from that and you know it took a while. I was probably in that line for a good twenty minutes, okay. twenty five or so, and the line was filling in behind me as right. I was going forward. Now, did you get a chance to sit on any of the panels? No, no. Um, it just it just didn't work out. I was uh, only able to get away from my parental duties for right. a certain amount of time, and I wasn't able to schedule when I was going to get down there. Right. So scheduling when to get in on a panel, uh, not not so much. But uh, hopefully for this year, we'll we'll have more time to do more fun stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Cool. That's what I'm hoping, um, especially because I think it's kind of understood. Uh, the plan for the Saturday is that, yeah, I'm going to be going down with uh, my wife and daughter. Right. But when my daughter's heading up, I believe that it's basically going to be okay. There, my wife will take off with her. And right. I'll and you'll be continue, free to do whatever. I'll just continue on. Because it is, after all, your birthday present. Yeah, that's basically... <laughs> That's basically what's going on. Okay, well, it looks like it's almost time for the uh, Super Bowl to start, so I think we're going to cut this podcast short. And Pat has yeah. returned just in time for him to say hi. Sorry, listeners. I'll have to make it up for next year, next time. Yeah, I guess so. So uh, that's it for Episode 6 of the Out of the Basement Podcast, and uh, we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. <laughs>